0: And monsters walk the earth. But these podcasters are filled with mirth. We'll watch films that are spooky, silly, and fun. But this time we'll watch the entire movie in one. So prepare to laugh beyond all reason. It's edging podcasts' Halloween season. <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Halloween season of Edging On Podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Scary Bones Drew. And I'm Spooky Adam.
2: Ooh.
1: And I'm Matt Groening. <laughs> <laughs> and today, we were watching the first ten minutes of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. This uh, is a fascinating start to the film, don't uh, you guys think? Sam.
2: Yeah. We were going to do something different this season. We were going to watch the entire movie and discuss the entire movie in this episode. Wait, yeah, don't you but...
0: remember? We were talking about how uh, this way we could talk about more uh, interesting things to release throughout Halloween.
1: Did you guys have this conversation without me?
2: No, you, you, were, were, you there. were there. You were there.
0: You were babbling about, like, Celtic artifacts and stuff, so we just thought you were listening, <gasps> oh. but...
2: That's when I found the mask, wasn't it? Yeah, you were like, oh my god, if I see Stonehenge, I'll piss my pants.
1: Did I put the mask on? Because I I don't remember anything that happens in the mask. Oh, is that why your face was suddenly green? Yeah, that's why I was doing the suit, riot, I think. That's what the the videos I've seen were anyway.
2: Huh. Well, fear not, Sam. We are going to take this as an opportunity to inform the audience and also you as what happens. So just stick with us and we will lead you through Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. A a learning opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can very (laughs) confidently say how we start this movie out. First, I'd like to give a little bit of background on this film. Okay. I I feel like it's common knowledge that Halloween is the home season of notable horror slasher Michael Myers. What most people probably still know is this was always intended to be an anthology horror series, but with the success of the first Halloween movie, John Carpenter saw the, the, uh, the pushback to make a continuation of the cliffhanger, that the original Halloween left on. So we had to make a continuation before he could make his oh. prize anthology series. It gets worse. How oh, true sorry. That this is, is un- this is slightly
1: unrelated to what you were saying, but, uh, it might also interest you guys to know that I have never... In addition to having only seen the first ten minutes of Halloween 3, I have not seen any of the other movies in the Halloween series. Stick oh, then You picked the,
0: uh, the right one to start. You did. This I had the one... feeling that
1: I should have known who some of the people were. <laughs> Adam I, I was the one you... who
0: recommended that we tackle this movie, and I am so glad that he did. I knew snippets from this movie, and the entire ride is such... A, a cyclone of nonsense, disappointment, and surprises <laughs> that I felt like I was on, on an amusement park ride. It's
2: it's a wild freaking ride, to be sure. Uh, we get a pretty well-rounded cast and crew with a lot of recurring John Carpenter staples, such as uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, who directed The Fog and Assault on Precinct 13 alongside Rob uh, He's not Rob Halford. He's not Rob Zombie. Or Rob Zombie. <laughs> He's, he is John Carpenter. Uh, I I I feel like yeah, such famous a, member of the Carpenters. I feel like <clears throat> such a douchebag for mixing up Rob Zombie and John Carpenter. They're on two <laughs> different planes. John what are you Carpenter, talking about?
1: John Car- Carpenter's
2: synth score for this movie. <laughs> His synth score. John Carpenter is. I feel like you definitely like all of his film scores because most, if not the majority of them, are all synth-driven. Oh, yeah.
1: It had that very clear, like, 1980s analog synthesizer feel to it.
2: Yes. He loves his synthesizer. The Fog, Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, salt and precinct 13 even has a nice – the thing. Even to the point that – my one of my favorite bits with it is that
1: all the like horror hits in this film when there's like a jump scare moment instead of using a normal sting or you know something scary or frightening it's just a little
2: boom kind of synth
1: noise (laughs) it sounds so cheesy can you put can you put it in here adam actually just put it in when i say that (laughs) yes of course so what is halloween
0: season of the witch adam
2: Well, I'm glad you asked that, Drew. Halloween 3 Season of the Witch was supposed to be the first movie to break off the Halloween series into its horror anthology uh, continuation style. So this
0: is the first, like you were saying, this is the first movie without the serial killer
2: Marcus Pliers, right? Marcus Pliers (laughs) is not in this movie, and it was a horrible crime ...to film audiences at the time because they wanted Michael Myers. The slasher craze was starting to run amok. The and everyone slinging. wanted a, a notable figure to latch on to. Even though, I'm going to say it, Michael Myers is kind of a bland character. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. But so, Adam, did you know that he has a William Shatner mask? I
0: did. That's know a that bit of trivia wearing... that only I know. <laughs>
2: Only real fans will know Michael Myers' mask is actually William Shatner's mask. The events of Halloween Three: Season of the Witch are as
1: follows. <laughs> Sam, what happens in the first ten minutes? Oh wow! So this man, this guy is is running from the IRS. I, I that uh, he's running from the an IRS agent in the junkyard. No, he's
2: running from John Carpenter's synth score
1: yeah the uh the irs agent catches him but his life is saved by an el camino in neutral (laughs) then we cut to some people i've never seen before and i don't know who they are there's a guy at a gas station who's watching a weird tv commercial which is just the wildest shit i've ever seen just a black screen
2: with graphics on it (laughs) do you remember the jingle can you uh can you recreate that wonderful jingle that we hear twenty times throughout this movie? I do not remember
1: the jingle, but if you send it to me afterwards, I'll try to play it. <laughs> Drew, would you like
2: to would you like to give us the, oh, the jingle?
1: You gotta let me finish though because I'm almost done with the entire first ten minutes.
2: <laughs> because the only it, other Sam.
1: thing that happens in the first ten minutes are we go back to the like another group of people who I don't know, a family's house. The dad walks in, and one of the kids reveals that they got one of the masks. And at that moment, I wrote down, I think this is probably the entire pl- rest of the plot.
2: Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> How naive you There's were, There's something Sam. you missed, though. You sweet little lamb. There's something you missed, though, early on that the casual viewer watching 10 minutes will not really latch on to. But in the mm-hmm. gas station... Right before the man is uh, taken to the hospital by the, the gas station attendant. The man being chased, that that is. Yeah. On the TV, the we invader. see a snippet of a, a news report. And believe me when I say this has no bearing on the plot whatsoever, so you should just forget about this entirely. There's a report about a missing piece of Stonehenge being stolen. It will not come back into play. Bury that from your mind, everyone.
0: <laughs> Guys! Guys, I I woke up this morning, I went to Stonehenge, I went to my
1: shift at Stonehenge. I think there's one less block, guys. You know, someone people do work at Stonehenge. What a wild job title. Somebody somebody went to Stonehenge, picked up a 10-ton block of stone, and made off with it in the night. <laughs> Drew, come on, you gotta be more reasonable. They they probably at least you like rented a crane or something.
2: Well, whatever happened, we're not going to find out about it because it never comes back into play, ever. So let's forget about that, and let's move on. It's not important at all. After this TV report, we hear the start of the jingle that most casual fans of this particular movie absolutely love. And don't worry, Sam, you're going to hear it a lot. Oh, boy. Happy, mean... happy, Halloween, 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 a, yeah. happy, happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, Silver, Silver
0: Shamrock. Shamrock. The Silver Shamrock Novelty Corporation is a very important plot thread as a maker of novelty Halloween
2: masks that actually do look pretty cool. Yeah. They are pretty cool. Um, <laughs> we'll get Too more bad that, that, that the
0: masks, the mask company... <laughs> It's run by a na- man named Connell Cockring, <laughs>
1: <laughs> who masterminded no the, s- the theft of Stonehenge. No, you said to forget that, Drew. You said it wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> we lost because Connell Cockring.
2: Uh, I, I don't know if we should talk about the Stonehenge part just yet. I don't know if we should talk about Cochrane. We have a couple of things to can get not out of the way. I don't talk about
1: Stonehenge. I don't want to talk about Cochrane. We can move on from that one. <laughs> Sam prefers all natural. I think.
0: I think. Major spoilers, of course, all the way through this this discussion. But of course, this movie came out in what, like eighty two? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> So I think that the plot would make more sense if we described the impetus and then the main characters trying
2: to react to it. I don't know. Either way, I'm Silver just Shamrock, for this huge mask company that, as we find out later, makes their entire revenue from ma- selling Halloween masks, they only have three masks in their lineup. Yeah, I did kind of pick up on that instantly. <laughs> yeah. They... <laughs> So a little bit of background real quick on this that we get filled in on later, just to kind of keep everything concise. Silver Shamrock is a big former toy company. Started hundreds of years in the past. Uh, they, they jumped off the train from uh, from making toys to simply making three Halloween masks every year <laughs> for children at Halloween time. It's foolproof. Foolproof.
0: Foolproof. This is the parent company of Spirit
1: Halloween, of course. Yes, absolutely. I love when I go into the the, the uh, empty JC Penney and it's just three masks over and over and over again. <laughs> and they're playing that jingle on the TV. The da 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 Constantly, da, da, da,
0: da, da, da.
2: it never stops. For a little bit more of background from the company that we get much later on in the movie, that I want to get just to tackle the background of this company. Uh, we have a we see a conversation later on where we get some. Some insight onto what kind of toys they've been making in the past. One of the characters (laughs) has the line that says, uh, They used to manufacture classic toys, and here are a few Hall of Fame toys sticky toilet paper, dead dwarf guy, and soft chainsaw. (laughs) Soft
1: chainsaw is the only one of those that I I can see being a real thing. I'm not dead dwarf guy. guy. I'd They're buy Cursed Dungeons the and Dragons, of course. Dead dwarf
0: guy, of course. All right, backpedaling. I, I think, that, I think that. Please just let me steamroll this plot because I. I think that we can just like insert in the general plot the things we have to say if we just steamroll what actually happens in the movie in a few sentences. Okay. Okay, so Connell Cockring, this Irishman, started Silver Shamrock. Uh, To make masks after he stole Stonehenge (laughs) and started chipping off pieces of it, putting a little piece of Stonehenge in every single child's mask. So that way when they they watch his broadcast that he's planning to have on every television station on Halloween night, it's going to turn the children into
2: insects and creepy crawlies. (laughs) It turns their brains to spiders and snakes, man. So our protagonists are just like people who find out about this and try to stop him. <sighs> what? protagonist being being Dr. Dan and Dr. Chalice, who is Mike Lindell from the My Pillow. Yeah, um, <laughs> Tom Atkins, another recurring uh, John Carpenter character actor. Oh, the diet guy. Yes. No. <laughs>
1: The diet guy, fuck you. He was and Doctor Chalice was he teams really? up with. Yeah, are you serious? Yeah, he's the guy that started the Atkins diet. It's named I after Tom you were Atkins. I you're gaslighting
2: me, you fucking loser, man.
1: I think I might be. Let me check. Okay.
2: <laughs> Tom Atkins, Atkins diet. Come on, baby. No. Come on. You are full of shit. <laughs> ah.
1: I want your Google badge research. and gun on
0: my desk by Monday. I was yeah.
1: pre- I was pretty sure it was wrong, but once you called me on, I was like, "Nah, I got to double down." <laughs> what would? So, Doctor. M- oh, sorry, Sam. Oh, I'm I'm spacing the names. Please move on.
0: Oh, you're you're good. So, so Doctor Mike Lindell teams up with Ellie, who's the daughter of the guy who got gets murdered by the mask company early in the movie because he finds out the truth
2: oh i want I, I want to explain how, th- how how that all comes to fruition real quick and then because this is kind of important okay all right so the man being chased in Sam's ten minute chunk he watched yes uh, he ends up in the hospital and in order to silence him, uh goons from the mask company go into his uh hospital abode. And one of them goes in, and we have a very silly murder scene. This is very important. An assailant (laughs) sneaks into the man's room, covers his mouth, and there's, like, a weird hesitation about it. The guy, like, tries three different ways to kill him. Like, he's not sure how he wants to do it. Mm. He covers his mouth with one hand, starts to plug his nose, like, to suffocate (laughs) him. And then he switches to putting his fingers in his eyes... And then he just, when all else fails, he just grabs him by the nose and pulls his nose off to death. <laughs> I'm got not your nose kidding. To that is 100% <laughs> what happens. It's a
0: 100% fatality. Yeah. That's no why nose. kids get so
1: scared when you do it. They know. <clears throat> They've they seen Halloween that. 3 in the womb. They've got that, like, innate
2: understanding
0: so this guy, his daughter Ellie, teams up with Dr. Mike Lindell to defeat Connell Cochrane.
2: Yeah, in order to try and figure out what happened. Why someone wouldn't want to kill this old man. So they go to the home of the city of Silver Shamrock, where their entire economy is based on Halloween masks. The entire town. Three Halloween masks.
1: Everyone was wearing one of the three masks at all times.
0: <laughs>
1: man, that, that brings me order. to...
0: That brings me to a wonderful angle that I love about this movie is this movie really doesn't like Irish people.
2: Yeah. So this entire town,
1: Irish company, of course, fifty percent offended.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) This this town, uh, there are multiple characters who mention that uh, Mr. Cockring brought in a bunch of workers from Ireland to work at the factory instead of hiring local, and then we find out toward the end, that Cochran stole Stonehenge because he wants to connect to his Celtic ancestors by sacrificing children?
2: Question mark? Yes. Oh, of course. This is very confusing. My only crime was being Irish. (laughs) (laughs) He explains what he's doing in the big wrap-up scene, but he doesn't explain why. He says, he has this monologue where he's talking about uh, how he doesn't need a reason. And then he goes and and like, well... Three um, reasons? (laughs) Yeah, none of them really reasons. He's like, well, they used to do it back in the day, so why not now? This is what happened 3,000 years ago. It's time to get back to our roots. We fell now. We can't stay afloat.
0: And then he says some shit like though I want to make the world run red with blood and then he says some shit like won't it just be the greatest practical joke ever pulled
2: yeah. <laughs> dude that's you're turning joke. kids
0: into bugs that's hysterical you won It's the greatest <laughs> practical joke ever
1: you did it to Conal Cochran no, the real joke is the fact that he built a company off of three Halloween masks yeah. and still managed to
2: take over the world Cochran is uh, tonight's biggest company. loser now he has to- <laughs> <laughs> he has to kill all the children in the world by tearing their brains into
0: buggos. The, the actual way he built his company was off of Dead Dwarf Guy, and then
2: he switched to Halloween masks. <laughs> just Just want to be clear. That is true. <laughs> Dead Dwarf Guy built this company. <laughs> Sam, it's really a damn shame you didn't see this entire movie, because later on there's a minor character. It's a family that's pretty much just like the stupids. I really, Ugh. I really think you would have liked this. <clears throat> an RV-driving, uh, dumb dad, stupid kid, ditzy mom. <laughs> and they get invited to Silver Shamrock because
0: the dad sold the most masks. They're, they're poor folks, and so the rich guy is, swoops in and uh, begins brainwashing him with them with promises of trickle-down economics. It's a very <laughs> interesting angle. That's a genuine angle that I think really works about this movie. It, this is like a cult horror movie
2: where the cult is a business. <laughs> that is a really interesting concept. Yeah, like, there are some things that are genuinely interesting about this movie. And I've seen this movie once before. I watched it a few years ago. And before I had anything spoiled about it, I thought, wow, that's really unique and fresh take. Watching it a second time, there are things that don't quite add up. One of the main things being that... Uh, Ellie, uh, the daughter of the man who had his nose pulled to death. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, our female lead. Who is driving this entire story, driving alcoholic Dr. Daniel to uncover the secrets of the mask company Silver Shamrock. We find out at the end that... What's this? Dum, dum, dum. She was a robot working for Silver Shamrock the entire fucking time. (laughs) Had they, she, Excuse uh, the me! I think it turns out at the end. She dropped
1: the fake accent, and she was Irish too. <laughs> I'm not going to stand oh. in the way of
2: me snakes and spiders. <laughs> no, but she was a robot. The entire time, she was a robot. She was the one who drove this investigation of the company from the start. The character Ellie, as I understand it, never existed, and was thrown in to make sure the doctor didn't talk. As a result to that, she pushed the doctor to investigate. Had she not been a thing, the doctor would have went home and forgot about all of this. Silver Shamrock
0: built her, assumedly to throw off the investigation, but the entire movie she helps the investigation, up to the point that at the very end, she helps Dr. Mike Lindell stop the Silver Shamrock plot. And then at the very end, she tries to kill Mike Lindell... This as sounds... if on Silver Shamrock's orders. But at that point, it's too late. So we just get a few cheap jump scares
2: out of it. Yeah, there are, there were several opportunities she had to stop the Doctor from releasing his pillows onto the world. But it, it they just very think much of that feels later? as though they had no idea what to do with her character. And we're like, fuck it, she's a <clears> robot <throat> now. It's... Mike Lindell fucked the robot. and He didn't even notice that she had a, a quivering steel pussy. Mm. They made, they made damn oh, sure... Oh, you're so oily, baby. I must be really cushion. good sack. <laughs> they made damn sure to make uh, make that <clears throat> pussy as realistic as possible. Because they knew uh, Tom Atkins would have definitely known a fake pussy if he saw one. Here, babe, prop your butt up on my my pillow. Well, I'll, it's <laughs> very absorbent. <laughs> <laughs> it's very absorbent. Oh, okay. Okay. So we've laid out the groundwork here. We have a nice, interesting wrap-up with a couple hiccups along the way. (laughs) Evil Mask Company, Stonehenge, Cockring, Robots,
1: Silver Silver Shamrock.
2: There is, in terms of, uh, like, production aspects, there is Mm -hmm. not a whole lot that is unique about this film. The score is nice. John Carpenter has a very unique way about him of of making tense, simple uh, musical stings and scores. Uh, Actually, let me double-check here. You guys talk. I'm going to double-check and make sure he did the music for this, too.
1: He did, yeah. Okay. I I wrote that
2: down. Oh, okay, cool.
0: I really like that Silver Shamrock's plan is hinged on the fact that kids are going to be home on Halloween night watching television instead of, I don't know, trick-or-treating... Going to a Halloween party.
2: Things that people do on that holiday. Well, the thing is, they have kids gather around the television under the guise that there's going to be some sort of big giveaway. So it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that you're going to get a good amount of kids sitting in front of the TV at that particular time. Under the promise of some sort of giveaway. I'll give you to you. That's fair. But... I, even
1: from the first ten minutes, I could see that in some places, the writing's a bit... Uh, there was one particular thing that really irked me in the beginning, where uh, when the when the dad comes home, he walks in and says, Anybody home? And no one answers. And then he walks in the next room and says, Daddy's home! And they're all like, Yay! And running out. <laughs> And I, I, I didn't notice it at first, but I thought back and I was like, literally, the only reason they did that is just, they would have hurt him. They just gave it like a second for that little bit of tension. They're like, Ooh, we gotta make it creepy.
2: Uh. <laughs> yeah, a, a bigger problem, as you touched on, a lot of the dialogue is, or a lot of the, the plot is dialogue driven. A lot of the information we get is, is through the spoken words and dialogues of characters. There's not a whole lot of open-to-interpretation things in this movie.
1: And, so and it's it might... very
2: much like a passive, casual viewing experience. There's not a whole lot of thought that goes into putting the pieces together here, which is fine. It, it doesn't, like, take away from anything. It just it feels a little bit hasty. I'm, I'm sure that that was kind of a problem, because they were trying to connect... Uh, random man being uh, having his nose pulled off to Stonehenge <laughs> in the park or whatever there's one thing I want to come back to because it's
1: really going to color my impression of those first 10 minutes is am I supposed to know any of these characters or are their introductions just so drawn out
0: uh, I mean the guy with his family was Dr. Mike Lindell none of the other characters are important, important.
2: I mean yeah, were like, the... they from the previous movies at all no. No, oh, okay. this is an entirely standalone. Oh, speaking of the previous movies, though, this is an interesting bit of uh, of lore here. Twice in this movie on television, we see John Carpenter's original Halloween playing on TV. Yeah, and what the so fuck was up with an that? An interesting thing to think about, that Halloween 3 exists in the same universe where Halloween is a movie. Is there, like, a season of the witch version of John Carpenter? And if there is, who made this movie? Who is the witch, by the way? Is the Irish guy the witch?
1: See, no witch. Where does the, the witch come to play? Because no one has mentioned witch at all yet. We've been talking about this movie for
2: more than a half hour. That's the thing. No witch. There is no witch. I think the title <laughs> is just in reference to witchcraft. I'm not the smartest <sighs> man, but that's what I picked up on. The shoes sure. witch <laughs> refers to uh, like sacrificial witchcraft and the like. There is no quote unquote witch that's a pretty I, I will say it's a letdown though. I will say that there is
0: that part where um, Dr. Michael Lindell fills up his my pillow with a bunch of bird seed and goes to the park <laughs> near Silver Shamrock and throws out the seed so going
1: yeah, witchy witchy witchy!
0: <laughs> that's a bad joke. Witches don't like bird seed. They like kale. <laughs> The pieces of Stonehenge in these masks, they look pretty heavy, and I'm not sure that kids are going to be leaving those in their masks.
2: Well, it's its not—there's a weird scene where he shows that it's, like, a small particle that goes into these little electronic <laughs> chips they have on these Halloween masks. Of they course. have, like, computer chips they have, like, <laughs> welded on the back of the logos of the masks. Yeah. Yeah. He shows that he just, like, takes a little fragment, like a little tiny little dusting of Stonehenge and just sticks it onto a computer chip.
0: They barely used any of Stonehenge. It's just giant in the bottom of their factory. It's still standing tall. So why didn't they just take a
1: piece of Stonehenge? They gotta make it subtle. They gotta save this. It's Drew, the one Stonehenge. You... Dude, what are they gonna run out and steal another Stonehenge? <laughs> they're, they're lucky <laughs> they got away with it the first time, Drew.
0: Yeah, they they're did it once. Milk they can probably for get as away long with it as again.
2: They
1: can. <laughs> what? What? Why does Stonehenge turn people into bugs? Um, because when the sun shines through it uh, at the autumnal <laughs> apex. uh yes. Go on, go on. Well, no, that's it. Aww. Sam, spill
0: the secrets
2: of your Irish ancestry. I thought... Talk about those fucking dirty, drinking, fighting bastards. <laughs> well, I'm.
0: Fuck in. you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Sam, those IRS agents in the beginning,
1: they were robots too. Oh, okay, I, I could tell there was something up with them. Robots, zombies, yeah. under the, like, witchcraft zombies. I wanted to hope.
0: Conal Cockring of Silver Shamrock invented robots. Mm. And nobody knows about this. He invented perfect robots. Yes.
1: And he uses them for menial tasks. <laughs> <laughs> he uses them to kill people and steal Stonehenge. This is like a Despicable meme movie. <laughs> and yet they can be defeated by an El Camino in neutral. What are these robots made out of? Well, Egg as yokes. you see later,
2: they're made out of uh, butterscotch pudding and very basic frame gears. Oh, okay. I
0: very much enjoy... ...that uh, Mike Lindell has an awkward sex scene with Ellie. Especially, yeah, knowing that she is a robot. Oh, we already touched on that, dang it.
2: Uh, We we did. Piggybacking off that, though... He, knew she, that sex- yeah, he no. knew she was a robot? Yeah, well, he knew she was a robot. Well, he finds out later. He had no oh, idea okay. if she was a robot. He had no idea. He clue. finds out at the very end. The reason that sex scene is so awkward, too, is because that was the first thing they shot for this movie... Oh, and no. as you can imagine, when you're pretending to pork someone you just met, it's a little weird. Well, let's just get it out of the way. Choice to start, get it out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> bit of an icebreaker. I, most people would do like intimate scenes like that, like at the very end of production. That way, there's some sort of connection there between actors, a little chemistry. It's, I'm not gonna knock it because I'm I, John Carpenter. Obviously, went way more successful and intuitive than I am. Go for it, dude. You do you. But it's kind of like Aliens, like how they they shot all the interactive scenes at the end of the movies. So Aliens is one of those movies that like all the characters have this weird bond and you can tell that they know each other. James Cameron shot that movie like in reverse. So you get kind of a a closeness and intimacy vibe between all these Marines. So that's in stuff like that. That's usually how they, they film scenes like this. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a little, uh, uh, a little lacking and distracting at times, especially following the lovemaking. <laughs> Mike I, Lindell asks Ellie, "You're 18, right? Or how old are yeah! you? Or something like that." I'd argue that after there is they pour, af- after he releases his seed inside her, <laughs> inside her gears and levers, he asks, "How old are you?" <laughs>
1: i'd argue that there is something wrong with it because it's very creepy to have that set up as the first shot there's no reason for that to be set up as the first shot it, it, it like i can't think of a non-creepy reason like oh, uh, uh,
0: you know uh speaking of lindell uh i'm not really impressed with atkins is acting in this and i'm not saying it's his fault but there's one season that there's one scene here that made me burst out laughing and that's when buddy the Clash Trader, and his family get <laughs> turned into snakes uh mike lindell is forced to watch on a closed circuit camera and his reaction to uh watching them die is raising both of his fists to his uh, his face and clenching his eyes and his teeth <laughs> like a planet yeah. of the apes character
2: Right, the acting is kind of all over the place at points. It, I don't think it's necessarily through any fault of the actors. This this movie was rushed because it came out uh, less than a year after the last Halloween, and John Carpenter tends to use the same uh, cast and crew for a lot of his movies, so there was probably not a whole lot of prep time for this, so I'll give them a little bit of leeway on that. There, however, the acting right at the end of this movie... After, uh, after Mike Lindell, Dan, kills uh, El- Robot Ellie, he drives back to the gas station from the beginning of the movie and calls the president of TV <laughs> to have Mr. the broadcast removed. Yep, he speaks to Mr. TV to have the broadcast removed. And in the end, uh, one of the commercials stays on the air right as the, the movie comes to a close, and we get a, take it off. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Which I mean, that's a pretty hard line to try and sell. But I, there's definitely <laughs> something better they could have done with that ending because that was the last thing we see. You want it to be memorable and powerful. I'm not. It's in a weird spot. I'm not sure if he underacted or overacted there. What? 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 It really happened? It's like you said. The movie was really rushed.
1: Yes. Uh, they, they took so long on the early scenes in fact it was just that first scene they when they were shooting the sex scene it was actually 90% of the production time. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get right and they're like ah, oh, shit we gotta we gotta rip this guy out <laughs> We gotta finish the rest of this
0: They said I don't know we've got we've got a, a prop that we're making for the movie Stonehenge that's coming out in seven years <laughs> uh, the movie spinal Tap we've got a prop of Stonehenge. <laughs> That's coming out in seven years. We might as well use that. What foresight they had?-hmm uh, there was I think that the best part of this movie is Conal Cockering. Even though he is clearly doesn't want to be here and doesn't care, I think that somehow <laughs> makes him even more charming and also how horrible his dialogue is written. We've already talked about how he gives multiple reasons for why he's doing these things, but he exposits his evil plan after saying the line, Well, a magician doesn't reveal his tricks. (laughs) So I stole Stonehenge.
2: I think that it's kind of a natural way to avoid, like, writing yourself into a corner. I'm fine with uh, him saying a magician doesn't reveal his tricks. I think at least that that's a, a clever line to to brush off explaining things. I think that's interesting in a way.
0: No, but then he completely explains yeah. everything after saying a magician doesn't reveal his
1: tricks. That's what I'm saying.
2: He doesn't completely explain it, though. There's a little room to interpretation about why he's doing it. Because he is gives I 50 do... reasons. The reason the room for interpretation is which one do you buy? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I feel like there's a loose connection there. It would have been nice to have like, a rundown of why he's doing it. I, when I first saw this, I thought the implication was that he's thousands of years old and is just trying to get... Uh, continue on with the Samhain traditions of sacrifice or whatever. But there's no mention of that, so I don't know where why I thought that. So, yes, you're right. It is it is confusing, but I'm not... I'm not against it. There is one scene, though, that is that genuinely uh, impressed me. And the scene where... The the family of the highest mask seller, buddy. His family's locked in a room and one of the masks is put on the kid as the broadcast plays in captivity. And there's this really good scene where there's this this haunting sin. And we see firsthand what exactly is gonna happen to every kid in the world that's wearing a mask and watching this broadcast. <laughs> there is <laughs> there there is no dialogue, no music, and it's just choppy cuts back and forth between the, the little graphic on this TV screen and the kid wearing the pumpkin mask. And it's just a – like there's a second between each frame as they jump back and forth and we just slowly see this mask like squeeze this kid's head until he falls to the floor as a pile of snakes or whatever. But it's, the, the practical effects on it were really good. There's a lot of subtle stuff. Like, the mask looks like it turns into a real pumpkin, which is cool. And we can see bits and pieces of the child's exposed face just or crumbling apart. Ooh. But it's it's great. There's no dialogue and no music other than the, the sting. It's I a really nice, uh, from the production standpoint, I thought it was a really good, well-shot scene.
1: I love a good crumbling
2: child effect. <laughs> They've come a long way in, what, f- almost 40 years now? Damn. I remember the last time I saw a movie where a
0: child got turned into a pile of snakes. I said, that looks cheesy as hell. But then we go back 40 years to Halloween 3 and I say, wow, that child's really turning into a pile of
2: snakes. <laughs> they really had it all figured out 40 years ago, man. Don't mess with the formula of crumbly children.
0: Yeah, and then George Lucas wanted to add all those CG snakes in the special edition of Halloween Three, and I I, I don't like that.
2: Let me get a let me get a piece of that pie there, John. Right, <laughs> I'm gonna do some magic. I got ILM Studios on a call. You see a little movie, a
1: little movie called Star Wars, John. You know a little movie called Star Wars.
2: <laughs> you know how that snake is really there and a, an actual snake on camera? Let me let me make it a fake snake. I'm gonna fake a let me, snake, make it a good snake. I'm a fake snake right here, right before your very eyes. Watch.
1: See you know, the robot <laughs> gets crushed by a Camino. Put a couple of sparks in there. Pow! And wow, wow, we, wow! Look at that. That's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful piece of cinema. Wow, wow, we, wow!
2: I'm not going to reveal how I did it. Man. Magician, magician never reveals his secrets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but basically, we got this big machine back at ILM. <laughs>
2: are, are we going to talk
0: about the reading of this movie, which is Mike Lindell stopping a, ma- a man from? Forcing a mask mandate on America's children. Stop it. Oh, shit. Stop it. I didn't
2: even put that together. Stop it. No. (laughs) Stop it.
1: Stop it. Stop it.
2: Stop it. Damn it. it. That just happened by chance. We didn't plan that at all. Damn it. Very (laughs) topical. Thank you for bringing up the mask mandate. Another thing I really like is the (laughs) opening. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right, you're I just gonna, gonna, gonna jump away can, can the t- This one be Halloween 3 thank you for bringing up the mask mandate <laughs> <laughs> I really like the open endingness that happens right at the end of the film because I know it's really hard to get dead kids past the MPAA without getting an X rating so I thought that was like a clever spot to end on the ambiguousness of whether or not he was successful in having the last commercial pulled Or uh, all the children in the world died because of magicians. You know, Adam, you say that
0: the MPAA puts that X rating on movies with dead kids. It makes me wonder, who would the MPAA thinks that dead kids is sexy?
1: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Mr. Plinkett runs the
0: MPAA. (laughs) Okay, if your child turned into snakes, would you pick up those snakes and raise them as your own? That's
2: an interesting question.
1: Let's explore this for a little I'd bit. i pick the snakes up and put them back down outside where they really
2: belong. Are those snakes birthed? Like, do they have relative uh, experience beforehand? Uh, okay. Are they just, like, teleported from elsewhere in the world?
0: Yeah, I mean, these are, these are sexually reproducing snakes? organisms, so where are they getting
2: their genes from? you are getting Ding. their genes from Stonehenge, bro. They're part rock. Oh, we true. injected
0: the genes into Stonehenge. He turned
2: I into the spirit rocks.
1: of a bunch of snakes from Ireland in the 18th century. Did <laughs> we can tell because the snakes when they came out they said,
0: "Oi bloody hell, what's that
1: television <laughs> device?" <laughs> Oi, turned into a pile of
2: snake ghosts. He did. Can you flip it over to the Notre Dame game? All right, let's get into our final thoughts on this movie. Dang, the first 10 minutes was confusing <laughs> 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 i sam, can't wait to watch the rest of it though sam all these things considered what, what is your genuine impression of this movie how do you feel they handled this
1: no, i am genuinely excited to watch it it sounds like a train wreck but a beautiful train wreck the kind of train wreck where it's it's so perfect in all its weird little details that it somehow becomes out at the end being kind of good just for this or at least it's interesting. <laughs>
2: That's the thing, though. The film picked up a huge cult following it, when it first was released. Like I said earlier, everyone hated it because there was no Michael Myers. and But it, it's slowly gaining traction. It's now kind of becoming a Halloween cult classic.
1: If you know one thing about me, it's that I appreciate absolute crap garbage that's just kind of interesting for some reason. So I feel like I would really appreciate this movie.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't go so far to say it's crap garbage, though. <laughs> it's definitely overlooked in a lot of ways, but it's it's a fine movie if it was like a standalone or if they continued to follow suit with the halloween anthology series i feel like that it would be remembered more fondly and again
1: keep in mind my opinion is based on the first 10 minutes of this film
2: <laughs> and also uh a brief mentioning of stonehenge cock rings and snakes mm. and mike lindell god damn it I, I i didn't even realize how much he looked like mike lindell and now he's just, he just his name's dan his name is dan his name is dan <laughs> but he's Mike Lindell
0: I think that overall I'd give this movie like a like a 6 out of 10 it's, it's above average it's above average but every interesting thing that it brings up is sunk by the sheer nonsense of Connell Cockring's plan and execution the, the man dies in the end by getting a laser sent through his stomach by Stonehenge for no reason <laughs>
2: It's more that George Lucas magic we were talking about earlier. I, I think this movie could have been so much
0: better if they fully leaned into the whole, uh, like I was saying earlier, it's a cult movie where the cult's a business. It, we're beginning the Reagan era, you know, let's, let's get some of that shit in here. Uh, what, what are you giving your kids in your future? You're turning them into a pile of mindless consuming organisms. That's what you're doing by supporting people like Cochran. That's what he wants for their future. It's a
2: good
0: reading. The movie just doesn't deliver. What you say? Six
2: out of ten, is that what you said? Six out of ten. Okay. I, I think I would lean closer in the seven area because mostly for like the subtext, the commentary this film presents, it's I don't know if it's more like warning about the dangers of consumerism turning you into a mindless pile of snakes or if it's uh, television just rotting your brains, I think that's or more Irish what people, going for. Or the dangers of trusting and letting Irish people into your very homes. <laughs> this movie was written by a New York government official from the 1890s. <laughs> they just found it in a vault somewhere. All this being said, though, I, I think that this movie got an unfair rep, and if they doubled down, firstly, if they... If they uh, followed suit and ditched Michael Myers for *Onward*, I feel like this movie would be remembered a lot more fondly. And also, if they—if the ending wasn't as batshit crazy as it was, or explained a little bit better, I feel like people could have latched on and appreciated it a little more. But I, that being said, I think it would stand. I think it's fair to give it like a six and a half or a seven out of ten.
0: I think if they ditched Michael Myers completely, the Halloween series could have been something special.
2: I think so too because I mean, I love the first Halloween movie I don't think there's anything innately special about it onward there's, I don't think there's a single movie that I have to have in the rest of the series mm-hmm. you know what I mean did, did you know about
0: the leaves John Carpenter and the leaves did you ever hear this bit of trivia about the original Halloween Adam uh, probably refresh me though okay so for the audience especially uh halloween takes place in a midwestern town during halloween but it was filmed in california and so they john carpenter wanted leaves to sell the idea so he bought four bags of leaves just from the middle of nowhere in the midwest he brought them over to the set and then he would just throw, he would have his crew throw the leaves to make it look like the leaves were falling from the trees. And he would just have them dump leaves onto the grass to make it look like they it, it's autumn. But he only had the four bags, so he made everybody go and pick up the leaves
2: in between shots. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you would have thought they could have got more leaves than that. Well, you'd think that, but the original Halloween had, like, a budget of $600,000. Those just some We can only afford leaves. the four trash bags. <laughs> I think he footed the bill for the leaves themselves, or he just grew them. I don't know. Wow. That's dedication. It is. You know, when a filmmaker has it, they'll buy four bags of leaves, and they'll reuse them every fucking scene. <laughs> now, what were you saying, Sam?
1: Oh, I was going to say, make sure to tune in next week for our next spooky Halloween special, where we're going to do another full,
2: apparently, Halloween movie review, I guess. Until then, though, I've been Adam.
0: I've been Spooky Boy Drew. And I've been David
1: X. Cohen. Thanks for watching. Keep it fresh. Keep it frosty. Keep it pumpkin spice.